Today's scripture reading is Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. In a recent study, the psychologists were examining the benefits of expressing thanks. And one of the things that they concluded was that gratitude can make your life happier and more satisfying. When we feel gratitude, they go on to say, we benefit from the pleasant memory of a positive event in our life. Also, when we express our gratitude to others, we strengthen our relationship with them. Goes on to say that gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions. Helps us to relish the good experiences in our lives. It improves our health. Helps us deal with adversity and build strong relationships. The study goes on to encourage people to teach thankfulness and to model thankfulness to their children. Well, basically, beloved, what the study affirms is what God's word has always said and what God's people have always known. And that is that the thankful life is the happy life. The thankful life is the happy life. And God's people, one of the marks of God's people is that God's people give thanks. At least we should anyway. God's people should Give thanks. On Sunday after church, many of your children find me. They search for me and they find me in hopes of getting a piece of candy. Some adults do too, but we won't name them. They dressed in Texas A&M this morning. <laughs> but your children find me. And one thing I can always count on is that when they find me and they get a piece of candy, they say thank you. Isn't that right, Christina? Isn't that right, Nina, Gabrielle, where are they? There they are right there. Isn't that right? You say thank you, 
Yes. Isn't that right, David? I see you. Isn't that right? You say thank you. Yes. You say thank you because your parents have taught you to say thank you. They have taught you to be grateful. Now that your parents teach you that, beloved, God teaches that to his children. God teaches his children to be thankful as well. How, did you, how do you recognize a Christian, beloved? Well, a Christian is, is someone who has been touched by Jesus and they give thanks for it. Their lives have been changed by Jesus and they are quick to give thanks for it. In fact, few things, few things are more iterated in the Bible than is the call to be thankful and give thanks. The call for thanksgiving is directed to every area of our lives. The Bible says that this is how we ought to pray in Philippians chapter 4 and, and verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Our prayers ought to be informed with this thankfulness, but not only our prayers, but so too is our singing, as we said, as we demonstrated this morning, that when we sing, we sing with thankful hearts. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts. Praying thankfully, singing thankfully. We ought to be eating thankfully. The Bible says, and speaking of us receiving food, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Verse 4, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Praying, eating, singing. Then the Bible just says everything. Everything. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, Wherever you go, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God. This is the command of God. This is God's desire for his children as you desire your children to be thankful even more, God desires that his children would express gratitude. Because thanksgiving is everything, beloved. It's everything. I mean, when you think about it, for God, the redeemed life is the thankful life. Listen, beloved, you can be thankful and not be saved. Okay, there are all type of people out there who are, who are not saved and they give thanks all the time. They'll say thank you for your service. They'll say, they'll say thank you for their food. 
You can be thankful and not saved. But if you are saved, then an important mark of being saved is that you are thankful. You won't be saved and not thankful. You won't be saved and not thankful. And that is the point that Jesus was driving home. As he, was, as he was walking with his disciples on that day, we read in Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, when he decided to stop by that out-of-the-way village somewhere between Samaria and Galilee on the way to Jerusalem. Jesus and the disciples are on the way to Jerusalem, and Jesus decides that they're going to pull off and stop at this out-of-the-way village Somewhere between Samaria and Galilee, and just outside that village, they met ten lepers, and one was thankful. One was thankful. Our text begins with Jesus and his disciples, and they're on their way to Jerusalem. Why are they going to Jerusalem? They're going to Jerusalem because that's where the cross is. That is where Jesus will bear the cross. The cross is before him. They have been to Jerusalem several times before, but this was going to be the last time. This was going to be the final trek into Jerusalem. And even though they had been this way before and this road was familiar to them, this time, however, they took a few detours along the way, as we have seen and will see. And this time, there was a place. There's a place that perhaps they hadn't visited before, but they were going to visit it now. There was a stop that Jesus needed to make. There's a stop that Jesus needed to make because there was a sheep in the vicinity. There was a sheep in the vicinity that was lost. And he had been lost somewhere between Samaria and Galilee. He had been lost in this out-of-place village where nobody knew about or where it was. But Jesus did. And he says, boys, I have to stop over in this village. And his disciples are probably wondering, why were they going this way? Why were we going off the beaten path? We know our way to Jerusalem. We, we've been this way before. There was not much to see in this little village. There are probably not many people in this out-of-the-way place. But as Jesus had said earlier in John chapter 10 and verse 16, that he has sheep down in this fold. As he told his disciples, I have sheep who are not of this fold, and I got to bring them in too. I have come to receive them too. They are in other places. They belong to other peoples. They are Samaritans and, and, and Gentiles. They are strangers and foreigners. They are lepers. But they are his sheep. And he had to bring them home 
You do understand, beloved, that God's plan of redemption was never just to save the lost sheep of Israel, but Christ comes saving, rescuing, redeeming his lost sheep wherever they may be found. And as they approached this village, the Bible says that Jesus was met by ten men. Men who had the awful, dreadful, and contagious disease of leprosy. Leprosy, beloved, was a miserable thing. Not only did it decay the body and erode the senses, eyesight and feeling, it often caused deformity. It often made those with leprosy appear unsightful. Leprosy was a social stigma and often regarded as a curse. And therefore, those who had this wretched disease, who had come down with this malady, beloved, they were outcasts. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, in, in, giving, in giving instructions to the society and those who had been stricken with leprosy, that the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose, and shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. They were not to approach other people. And anybody who approached them they were immediately to let, was to let them know that they were unclean. That they were diseased. In a sense that they were cursed. And so, beloved, as Jesus approached this village, the Bible says that these, Jew, that these lepers knew not to come near to Jesus. They knew not to approach Jesus. They knew not to approach anybody. They did not come near to Jesus. But beloved, that's okay. Because Jesus came near unto them. We are not told of the spiritual condition of these men. We don't know how much they knew about Jesus. We don't know how much they had heard about Jesus, but apparently they knew enough to call him rabbi. They knew enough to call him master. They knew enough about Jesus 
to believe that he could do something for them. They knew enough about their own condition to know that they needed Jesus. Because they were in misery. And in their misery, they called upon the master. Isn't that interesting? And in the midst of their misery, they call upon the master. I find that interesting. I find that convicting. Because I find that we are fond of calling upon Jesus in time of misery and trouble. That's what we do. Heaven is bombarded, beloved. Heaven is bombarded with prayers from those suffering trial and temptation. When we are in trouble, we are quick to call upon Jesus. We never pray more than when the trial and trouble come. Now, beloved, when I say that, I don't say that as an indictment. That's just a state of fact. That's just a state of fact. I don't know if these lepers had called on God before. I don't know. Perhaps they had. I don't know if these lepers had called on God before. But what matters, beloved, is that they called upon Jesus now. And I want to say that because I want you to not feel bad that you wait until times of trouble to call upon Jesus. No, no, you're right. You should be calling upon Jesus all the time. You should be leaning on Jesus all the time. But, beloved, I want you to know that it's better late than never. And you do understand that God specializes in distress. Need not worry. Don't fret. If you only call on him when you're in trouble, he is a way maker. He is a trouble hearer. He's a God who responds to distress. Do you know that? In Psalm 118, verse 5, the Bible says, In my distress I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. In fact, beloved, it is good to be reminded. It is good to remember that God is not stressed by our distresses. We are stressed, but God isn't. It distresses us, but it doesn't distress him. He is not overwhelmed by what overwhelms you. Call on him. That's why you can call on him. That's why you can call on him in the midst of your distress. You may not have ever called upon Jesus before, but that's okay. You can call on him now. You may not have called on Jesus for quite a while, but beloved, that's okay. That's okay. You can call on him right now. You can call him up. You can call him up and tell him what you want. He's on the main line. It's not busy. It's not busy. He's always available. Call him right now. Tell him what you want. That's what the lepers did. That's what the lepers did. They may not have called upon Jesus before. 
It might have been a long time since they were at the temple and they prayed to God. But you know what, beloved? Thank God they called upon Jesus right then. Call him up. Tell him what you want. And the Bible says in Isaiah 55 and verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Call upon him now. That's why they called on Jesus. Because Jesus came near. Jesus came near. He is near to you this morning, beloved. He is near to you this morning. Call on him. If you've never called upon Jesus before, you can call on him now. Now is a good time to do that. Today is a good day to call upon the Lord. Tell him what you want. You know what Jesus does? He answers. He answers. They called upon Jesus, and Jesus answered. He spoke the word, told them, go show yourself to the priest. And as they were on their way to show themselves to the priest, the Bible says they were cleansed. They were healed. All ten were healed. Another kingdom miracle demonstrating the nearness and the power of God to and with his people. But the emphasis this morning, beloved, is not so much on the healing. The emphasis this morning is on the response of those who are healed. What does one do with the goodness of God? What does one do with answered prayer? What does one do with God's mercy and grace? Well, we see it, don't we? We see it, beloved. But after Jesus healed the lepers, only one stopped. One turned around. And one gave thanks. All ten, all ten saw the power of God in their lives. All ten experienced the goodness of God in saving their lives. Nine out of the ten walked away. Walked away. Excited. Excited for what they were about to go do. Excited that they were once again going to engage society. Excited for what was going to happen that night. Excited for all the doors that were now opened up to them once again. Excited, but indifferent. Excited, but ungrateful. You know, beloved, it could be argued. It could be argued that no sin is more despised and yet at the same time more indicative 
of the human condition than is ingratitude. Ingratitude. You know how the Bible describes humanity? The current state of humanity? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, this is what it says. For although they, speaking of all the world, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. In a word, in a word, sinful humanity is ungrateful. That was the state of the ungrateful nine. That is the state of our world. Ingratitude, beloved, is rooted. It's what makes it so evil. Ingratitude is rooted in pride. It is a particular attitude that the devil uses to displace God in our lives. When we stop giving God thanks, we stop acknowledging God. When you refuse to give God thanks, then you take his glory upon yourself or else give it to another. And no one, beloved, no one, if we are honest this morning, no one likes to see ingratitude in others. No one likes to see that. In fact, it is disdained especially in children. That's why we, the first thing we say, one of the first things they learn is when, when somebody gives them something, you say to them, what do you say? What do you say? And it's evident because you don't want to see ingratitude in them. No one, no, it is disdain, beloved, and yet, even though we hate to see it in others, especially our children, we are yet slow to recognize it in ourselves. We are slow to recognize it. Every time I resent life because I believe I deserve more is ingratitude. Every time I look around and I say, life isn't fair, that's ingratitude. Every, every time I'm envious of the way God seems to be working in others' lives, and thus I can't appreciate how God is working in my life, that's ingratitude. Ingratitude takes glory from God. Because we are sooner to complain about our lives than to give God glory for our lives. We are more likely to complain about what we don't have rather than thanking God for what we do. You don't have to say amen. 
Because that's what ingratitude does. It grumbles. And it mumbles about what is not going your way rather than thanking God for what is. Beloved, we all have challenges. Everybody's got challenges. We all got struggles. We all have temptations. We all have trials. We are all under attack. We all struggle with sin. Ingratitude does nothing but complain about it. Thanksgiving, however, sees what else is going on, looks at the situation, and has a different perspective. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down. But we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down. But we are not destroyed. Why? Because though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's why you give thanks. Give thanks because God is good and his mercy endures forever. You give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. You give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks. Why? Because he's given you Jesus Christ, his only son. And that's why the weak can say we are strong. That's why the poor can say we are rich. We can do this because we look around at all that God has done. So you give thanks. Give thanks, beloved. Give thanks. Why should you give thanks? Because the text makes it clear. The text makes it clear, beloved. You give thanks because God is merciful. Give thanks because God is merciful. Listen to me this morning. Read the text. Jesus didn't have to pass that way, but he did. Jesus didn't have to stop at that village, but he did. Why? Because they were in misery and God is full of mercy. Why did they cry out? What did they cry out for? Luke 17 and 13 says they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Mercy, why? Because leprosy was miserable. Leprosy left them helpless. Leprosy left them hopeless. And the only chance they had was the Lord's mercy. They recognized their condition. They recognized what state they were in. They understood that they had no hope. Sitting outside the camp was the best they were going to do today, and it wasn't going to get any better tomorrow. They had no help. Their condition was not going to improve. Leprosy was not going to get better, beloved. Leprosy was only going to get worse. They had no hope, and they had no help. 
There was no cure on the horizon. There was no vaccination. There was no treatment. And the only hope they had was that Jesus would be merciful. The only help they could seek is that Jesus would be merciful. And thank God the Bible tells us in Psalm 45 and verses 8 and 9 that the Lord is full of mercy. He is abounding in mercy, beloved. Why? Because there is no healing except God is merciful. There is no help except God is merciful. He didn't have to go that way, but he did. He didn't have to see them, but he did. He didn't have to hear them, beloved, but he did. He didn't have to speak to them, but he did. He didn't have to heal them, but he did. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it, but he did. That reminds me. It's imagine this song that my mother's church used to sing. He didn't have to do it, but he did. He didn't have to do it, but he did. He came and he died and he rose again, but he didn't have to do it, but he did. That's why you give thanks. Because he's merciful. Because he didn't have to do it, beloved. He didn't have to save you. But he did. He didn't have to keep you. But he has. Because he's merciful. That's why you give thanks. And because he's merciful, it reminds you. There's another reason to give thanks. Because you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Give thanks, beloved, because whatever you have, you don't deserve. We are not told who the grateful nine were. The Bible doesn't tell us who the grateful nine were. But the assumption in the text is that they were Jewish, sons of the covenant, because when the one came back, Jesus noted that this one here is a Samaritan. This one here, Jesus says, is a foreigner. One considered outside the covenants of God. Not just a Samaritan. Jesus said, Jesus said in verse 18, a foreigner, a stranger. And as a foreigner, as a stranger, beloved, you do understand that he is not do anything from God. He's not owned anything from God. To him was not given the promises of God. He couldn't say like Moses, but God, you promised. He couldn't say that. Because he was a stranger and a foreigner of the promises and the covenants of God. But isn't that just like God? God likes to move and show himself strong on behalf of those who are undeserving. It's what God always does, beloved. When he called Abraham, Abraham was a foreigner. Out there in the Ur of the Chaldeans, and God called him in the covenant with him. When he called Rahab, Rahab was a foreigner. He spoke to the Shudamite woman. She was a foreigner. When Jesus spoke to the Syrophoenician woman, 
She was a foreigner. When he came and saved you and me, beloved, however much you think about yourself, as far as God's covenants were concerned, you were a stranger. You were a foreigner. To you were not given the promises of God. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making that up. Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 12 and 13. The Bible says, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ. That's you and me, beloved. At one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the promises of God. And you know where you were? You were there having no hope because you were without God in the world. You were a far off. Do you know what happened? But you who were once a far off, now by God's mercy, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. No one deserves that blood. No one deserves. That's why the Bible says that God is rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy, especially to those who don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it because God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 9 and verse 15, shows mercy to whom he will show mercy. He's not obligated to show mercy to any, and yet he has chosen to show mercy to you. He's not obligated to save any, and yet this morning he has chosen to save you. That's why you give thanks, because you don't deserve it. And next time somebody comes up to you and asks you, how you doing? And all your troubles and trials are running through your mind, you can just stop and say, better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. And I'm thankful. Because the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Be thankful, beloved. Be thankful because God is merciful. Be thankful because you don't deserve it. Be thankful also because it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. I mean, I just want us to take some time to think about this. Of all the commands of God, none are so easy and at the same time so rewarding than being thankful. How hard is it? How difficult is it? Listen to what the Bible says. That after Jesus had healed these men and they were making their way to the, to, the pre, to the temple to show the priest, the Bible says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. What did he do? All he did was stop. That's all he did. He stopped. And he turned around and said thanks. How hard is that? How difficult is that? What does it take, beloved? And yet, like the other nine, most of the world rarely takes the time to just turn around and give thanks to God. 
How many, how many this, how many cancer patients this morning are ringing the bell? And giving thanks to the nurses and giving thanks to the doctors, but haven't gotten down on their knees and giving thanks to God. How many this morning? How many people, how many young people are walking out of the hospital this morning? with newborn babies and the joy that newborn babies bring. And they thank the nurses and they thank the doctors, but never stop for a moment to give thanks to God. How hard is it? How many will sit down to a meal this afternoon? with family and, and friends and the joy that they bring, but won't take a moment to acknowledge the mercy of God that makes food and family and fellowship possible. How hard is it? What does it take? Beloved, there are some commands of God that are very difficult. Let's acknowledge that. It is hard to love your enemies. It is difficult to turn the other cheek. It is, it is difficult to forgive those who sin against you. And I can understand that. I can understand when you are faced with that, that that takes some deliberation. That takes some thought. There might be some hesitation because there is difficulty. But how difficult is it, beloved, to just stop, turn around, and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that's why, beloved, I don't have any qualms this morning in just telling you to stop and just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just stop and just do it. When you wake up in the morning, Set your feet on the ground and say, thank you, Lord. Just say it. Just stop and do it. When you arrive safely at school or you arrive safely at work, just take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus. When you sit down to a meal, before you take a bite, just say, thank you, Lord. When you lay your head down in the evening, Take nothing for granted and say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Just do it. And you'll find that he is good. His mercy endures forever. It's easy, beloved. That's why you'll do it. Because it's easy. You don't deserve it, and the Lord is merciful. You give thanks, because giving thanks is giving praise. That's what it is. When you give the Lord thanks, you give the Lord praise. Make no mistake about it. Those who thank God most tend to praise God best. 
That's it. Those who thank the Lord most tend to praise God best. The thankful leopard didn't just turn around and thank Jesus. The Bible says that he gave God praise because they're one and the same, beloved. There, there, there is no difference. When you give thanks, you give God praise. He wasn't, I can imagine that he looked down and he saw that he was healed and he was not going to take another step until he acknowledged the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of God. He knew that it was Jesus, and he knew that he had to give him praise, because that's what Thanksgiving is, beloved. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving always gives way to praise. Thanksgiving always gives way to praise. You know why? Because Thanksgiving says, I didn't do it, God did. Thanksgiving says, I didn't fix it, God did. Thanksgiving says, I didn't know how, but God did. Thanksgiving always leads to worship. And the more you give thanks, the more worshipful your life will be. Always. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name because they are one in the same. They're one in the same. You come in giving thanks. Your thanksgiving will well up in praise. And the more you thank the more you will praise. You want to worship God deeper, start counting your blessings more. Because you know what happens, beloved? Counting leads to shouting. That's what county does. Counting leads to shouting. And the more you count, the more you shout. And if you ain't shouting, it's because you ain't counting. You count, you're going to shout. Because you're going to start saying to yourself, when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that the Lord has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because counting leads to shouting. I know, we, I know why we don't shout, because we don't count. You start counting. I can tell, I can tell the people who have been counting. They're the ones who've been shouting. They're the ones who say, when I think about the Lord and how he saved me and how he raised me and how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost, when I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around and placed my feet on the solid ground, what does it do? It makes me want to shout. What? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, of all the honor, and all the praise. That's what the leper was saying. He was counting how many days he had sat there by that gate. He was counting. 
how many people had passed him by. He was counting how many sleepless nights he had had, how many days alone from family and friends he had experienced. He was counting. And the more he counted, he couldn't help but to start shouting. Number are you up to today? What's your count look like today? Let your count rise, beloved. Let your count rise until somebody has to ask you, what you shouting about? What you shouting about? And you tell them, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with his Holy Ghost and healed me to the uttermost. Do you really want to know? When I think about the Lord, that's what I'm shouting about. How he has given me everything I don't deserve. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, of all the honor, and all the praise. It makes me want to shout. Let's pray.